0: So we're going to be in John chapter 19 uh, on this Good Friday and looking at the, the uh, account of the crucifixion of Jesus and it's an incredible, incredible uh, account that we read in all four Gospels and as we look at it, uh, we're going to spend all eternity marveling at what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. And we have uh, just an incredible hope before us because of what Jesus Christ did for us in going to the cross. Sometimes that we will hear from uh, uh, those who claim to be religious or um, those who are even uh, behind the pulpits in some circles of Christianity. They kind of treat the crucifixion like it was an unfortunate uh, event that took place and uh, Circumstances that led Jesus to being crucified. It was ordained before the foundation of the world that he would go to the cross for you and for me And as you go through John's gospel, you see that Jesus Would say as you read uh, a few times in the gospel like for example When Jesus did his first miracle in John chapter 2 that he told his mother my hour has not come And he would say that throughout his earthly ministry till he gets to Jerusalem as we talked about on Sunday the triumphal entry of Jesus as he comes into the city for his last week of his life before he goes to the cross and as we discussed on Sunday when the Greeks came and wanted to see Jesus he would say at that time that my hour has come for the son of man to be glorified we know that in the garden here when he he is praying or on his way to the garden in John chapter 17 he says the hour has come for, for For you to be glorified, Father, and for you to glorify the Son, it is now His hour. We He came for a purpose. He was born, as you remember, that as we looked at last month, uh, the account of the wise men coming to Jesus when He was a toddler to Bethlehem, following the star of Jesus, and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, myrrh, burial spice, and and we know that uh, He came for a purpose of dying for sinful humanity. And, and we read about that now in John chapter 19. Now you recall that in the last week of Jesus' ministry... That he cleansed the temple after his triumphal entry. Uh, the religious leaders were trying to back him into a corner. They were questioning his authority, his integrity, his theology, and and, and Jesus eventually would withdraw from the, the religious leaders, knowing that they were going to plot and plan to have him be handed over uh, to be crucified. He, he would talk to his disciples about it. He says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests and elders and I'm going to be put to death but I'll rise again after three days. The disciples don't fully understand what's going on even as we discussed on Wednesday in the uh, upper room uh, record of Jesus comforting his disciples. Words of comfort for you and for me, don't be troubled in your heart. Uh, Believe in God, also believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus, even though he's been talking about his crucifixion, never talked about his crucifixion without also talking about his resurrection, that the disciples don't understand what's going on. And Jesus, it was ordained that he would go to the cross, and as we know, he would make his way from that upper room over to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's praying. He's sweating great drops of blood in the passion of Jesus. And Judas, leading a detachment of troops, they would come and they would bound Jesus up, and they would lead him away back to Jerusalem. They would lead him, first of all, as he would go through a series of three religious trials, first before Annas, who was the power behind the high priestly office. Annas was the one that was in charge and and directed all of the selling of the sacrifices during Passover and the exchange of money. And when Jesus came in uh, the day after his Triumphal entry and overturned the money changers' tables and drove out those who were selling the animals for sacrifices. Annas was very upset about that. And so he is the first one that wants to see Jesus. And we know that the sufferings of Jesus would begin then as the servant of Annas would come and hit Jesus in the face. He would then go before the Sanhedrin council that night with this illegal trial that took place. They would condemn him to death and they would put a bag over his head and they would beat him they they would punch him and then he would be standing before the Sanhedrin council once again very early in the morning we know that they would lead him to Pilate where he would stand before the civil authorities on three separate trials and there as as you read about Pilate he's he admits he says I find no fault in him and as the people were hoping, when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem that Sunday before, that they thought he's going to usher in the kingdom, he's going to overthrow Rome. And when they realize he's not going to do that, they begin to cry out, "Crucify him! Crucify him! We will not have this man rule over us." And, and it was Pilate that was just, you know. Um, questioning that. He, he didn't understand uh, why they were saying that. They said, isn't this your king? Uh, and they said, no, we have no king but Caesar. So Pilate would have Jesus be condemned to death. After Jesus was scourged by the cat of nine tails, uh, he had the Romans beat him. Isaiah says that he pulled out his beard, that he was like the lamb that was led to the slaughter. He had a crown of thorns that was pounded over his head. And as we read that in chapter 19 of John's gospel, in verse 17, and he bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha and where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. So Jesus is let out. He he, he is pinned to that Roman cross. There is a thief, one on the right and one on the left of him, and Jesus hanging between heaven and earth, now dying for the sins of the world. And as we read this, we begin to see the, the sayings of Jesus. We know that uh, right after they put him on the cross, that he would say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And we also know that then Luke's gospel would record that one of those thieves that were hanging next to Jesus would cry out to him and say, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, before the sun has set, you'll be with me in paradise. And so the first two sayings of Jesus, and then in verse 25, now John picks it up, and we read that now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved, standing by that would be John, and he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother, and from that hour that disciple Took her to his own home. And so, Jesus, in the last moments of his life, we know uh, that as Jesus commissions John to take care of his mother, that he would then say you know behold you know your son and and behold your mother as he speaks that and and it was John that would then take Mary his mother spare her from seeing the end of his suffering on the cross and they would leave at that point as John would then take Mary to to be uh, a part of his family. And as I consider it, it's kind of interesting because as you read it, uh, John, you know, was related to Jesus. They were cousins. But we know that Mary had other sons and and daughters and, and Jesus had half brothers and sisters. None of them were there at the cross that we know of. And here is John that is commissioned to take care of the mother of Jesus. It reminds me of that some of you that are listening right now, that perhaps from your direct family, you're you're separated from them because you're a believer, or maybe the relationship has been strained and severed, but you do have a family, and that is the family of God. And what a wonderful, wonderful Truth that we can hold on to, that we belong to the family of God, and we are here to encourage each other and to support each other, even as John is doing with Mary. So they would leave, and and then at that time we know that Jesus would then cry out, "Eli, Eli, lama sabathani? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" And it was at that time all of the sins of the world were placed on Jesus. And he would sense that separation from the Father that he had never experienced from all eternity past. And all of a sudden, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, that for he made him who knew no sin, Jesus lived a perfect life. He was sinless. And he who knew no sin, all of a sudden, that he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus, taking on your sin and my sin, cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then at that time, there's three hours of darkness that not only covered all of Jerusalem and all of Israel, but Luke's gospel tells us covered all of the world. In three hours, there was total darkness across the whole earth. And then we come to now... Jesus, the fifth saying of Jesus, as we continue reading in verse 28, and after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. He said, I thirst here. Now we know from Mark's gospel in chapter 15, verse 23, that Jesus did not accept a pain-numbing drink at the beginning of his suffering on the cross. But now at the end of his suffering on the cross, and he's been on the cross for nearly six hours here, and he accepts a taste of generally diluted wine. Uh, It's a fulfillment, actually, of Psalm 69, verse 21, that we read in that Psalm that, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And so what they do is they take the hyssop, and they, they put it on his lips, his parched lips and dry throat, So he could cry out after he says, I thirst. We read in verse 29, let's read it. A vessel uh, full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge in sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. I think that these three words, it is finished, are some of the most glorious words ever spoken in the history of mankind. Because they were spoken from our Lord. He would cry out, It is finished. And what my prayer for you and for me on this Good Friday and every day is that we would remember this truth, that it is finished. Jesus, taking on the sins of the world, taking on your sins personally, that you've committed and he said that I've made atonement for those sins. I've I, I died, I've shed my blood for forgiveness of sin, and it is finished, te telestai. Now, there's been papyri receipts from you know, transactions and taxes that have been recovered with the words te telestai on it, which means paid in full. It is finished Jesus didn't say I am finished or you guys are finished he said it is finished our redemptive work has been completed he has suffered the penalty of God's justice which sin deserved he took on the the wrath of the father he took on the pain and suffering and death that you and I deserve he was the propitiation which means the satisfaction Required from a righteous God for the righteous payment of sin. And the price has been paid in full for our sins by Jesus' death on the cross. And we are going to spend all eternity just marveling over those words. It is finished. But I pray that we would really have that statement stamped on our hearts and to remember it. Don't try to add to it. Jesus' death on the cross, and he validates it as we're going to celebrate on Resurrection Sunday when we're together once again and we celebrate that the tomb is empty. When he came forth from the tomb, it validated what he did on the cross. It proved that he's the Son of God. He conquered sin and death. In the Old Testament, the the high priest would go behind the veil in the Holy of Holies with the blood of the sacrifice on his hands, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And if he emerged, the people would cry out, Forgiven. They knew that they were forgiven for another year. And the Old Testament sacrifices, as we know, could not take away sin. It only covered sin until now the Lamb of God The the perfect Lamb of God, sacrificed for you and for me, and his blood shed, and he's gonna emerge from the tomb, and we can cry out, We are forgiven. And Jesus' death on the cross is sufficient for forgiveness of sin and for our salvation, please always remember that because there will be those who will come along and they will try to add to it. Well, you're not holy enough. You're not righteous enough. You have to earn God's favor. You have to earn God's salvation. You have to belong to a particular church. You have to be baptized. You have to worship on this day. You have to do these things. And Jesus from the cross said, it is finished period and now we rejoice in it and we receive it and we can be thankful for that wonderful work that he did on the cross he did the work for you and for me now we just receive it by faith and don't let anyone come along and say well you're not really saved Unless you worship on this day, unless you join our church, unless you're baptized, unless you're confirmed, unless you do this religious act. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. Jesus paid it all, he did it all, and he finished it all. And great is the day when we rejoice in that and make that our own. You see, when Jesus, before he went to the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed a very important prayer. He said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And in that prayer, what Jesus was saying is, if there's any way for a man or a woman to be righteous in your eyes, Lord, to earn salvation, to to be able to go to heaven, then I don't need to take on the cup of suffering and death. I don't need to go to the cross. If a person could be religious enough, good enough, holy enough, uh, righteous enough, uh, through any other way, through any other means, through any other belief system, then I don't need to take on the cup of suffering and death. But nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. And then he would say, I'm going to take on the cup of, a cup of suffering and death. The cup that the Father has given me to drink. I'm going to take on the cross. And it's the hope that we have as Jesus died for our sins and cried out, it is finished. Please always remember this, that Paul then comes along And in Romans chapter 8, he says, There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now means today, right now, on this Good Friday and every day. And we can be so aware of our shortcomings and our failures. And you may be realizing that right now as we are going through this time of difficulty. A time of difficulty will really bring out where our hearts are at and our attitudes and things. And... And we can say, oh, Lord, my attitude isn't right today. Lord, I'm being short with my, my spouse, with my kids. Lord, I'm impatient. I'm full of anxiety and fear. Listen, there is no condemnation for any of us who are in Christ Jesus. He loves you. And he desires to work in your heart and for you to cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And it was because of his love for us that he went to this cross. You know, the religious leaders, as he's hanging there for dying for sins, they're saying, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. You saved others, you can't save yourself. He could have spoken, and he told Peter in the garden, 12 legions of angels could come down, destroy the whole world. Could have destroyed Jerusalem, the Roman soldiers, everyone. But he didn't because it was love that kept him up on that cross. And as he was on that cross, he was thinking about every single one of us. That's why he went. That we might have the hope, the living hope that comes through his resurrection, as Peter writes. Because he went and died on the cross for you and for me. And people right now are asking, how could God let this happen, this pandemic? And then the... Everything that comes with it, the economic uh, meltdown and, and I'm losing my job and, and people are wondering how, how can this happen? My loved one's being sick or all the ramifications that come to us in all kinds of different ways. And I want you to remember this. He did not leave us without any hope. That he gave us the ultimate hope. And a glorious future as we come to him in faith. He is our hope. And he finished the work. It is finished. And then Jesus would breathe his last. And he gave up the ghost. And he bowed his head. And it was Joseph of Arimathea, councilman and of great reputation and Nicodemus the one that we read about that came to Jesus at night in John chapter 3 that came and took the body of Jesus down they prepared his body he died physically that physical death on the cross he was prepared a physical burial his body placed into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea they sealed the tomb set a Roman guard and that Sabbath that began It was a very, very dark time. But the light is going to come on the first day of the week. And we can embrace the light and the truth that Jesus Christ died for me and it is finished and I am forgiven. And to respond to him because he first loved us, we can love him. And that he would come forth from the grave It's such an incredible, incredible account that is given to us. And what I pray is that what Jesus did on the cross would never lose its impact on us in our lives. But every day we can be thankful, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst when it's hard. And on Sunday morning, as we see Mary Magdalene come to the tomb, where it tells us in John's gospel, even when it was dark, at the break of dawn, that we know that in these dark times that we can come to the tomb and we can say in our hearts and we can proclaim it to others that the tomb is empty and rejoice in that. We'll look at that on Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday. I know it's been a hard month. It's been a hard few weeks. But what I pray is God's comfort would really rest in our hearts and settle in our hearts because it is finished. We are a forgiven people. Listen, we got a glorious future. And as he said to his disciples, I go and prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I'll receive you to myself, that where you are, I will be also. All because Jesus went to the cross and rose from the grave. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for this wonderful account that we're so familiar with. And Lord, I pray that we would always in our hearts stand on the truth of what has been proclaimed from the cross that it is finished. That Jesus' death on the cross is sufficient for forgiveness of sin. And now we come in faith. And as we come in faith, believing that you died for our sins because we are sinners, that it was ordained before the foundation of the world that you would do that because of your love for us. And he rose from the grave. We have salvation. We have hope. We have a glorious future ahead of us. We belong to the family of God. We may feel isolated right now, alone like there's no hope, that there's just darkness, but there's light and there's truth and there's hope. And Lord, comfort and assurance that you see us and you know us and you provide forgiveness of sin and salvation through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And I pray if there's anyone that's listening or is going to listen to this later, that you've never come to the cross. The foot of the cross is flat. Jesus died for everyone. He died for you. He died for your sins. And no matter what you have done, Jesus said that all manner of sin is forgiven. That those sins were placed upon him and he made atonement for those sins and he loves you and he's saying, come, believe on me, come to me. Surrender your life to me. Repent, turn direction. Because this world is not our hope, but Jesus is your hope who cried out, it is finished. And you can pray right where you are that Jesus, I come and I ask that you forgive me for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me and you love me and it is finished. So forgive me. And I believe that you were put into a tomb and you rose again. And I thank you for the hope that I have that comes through you, through the cross of Calvary. I thank you for your love and bringing me into the family of God. And the hope of heaven. I want to know you and walk with you all the days of my life in Jesus name. And I pray for all of us Lord. That these days. As we enter into Easter weekend. As we celebrate on resurrection Sunday. That Lord that the days ahead. That you would just comfort our hearts in every way knowing that you love us and you proved your love by sending your son who went to a cross freely and died for us, that we have hope, that we have a glorious future, that you love us and you see us. And may our hearts be full of joy and comfort and gratitude towards you. I thank you so much for this time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, a couple quick things before you turn off your computers or uh, whatever device you're listening on. Uh, from 1 to 3 o'clock, those of you who signed up for the, uh, uh, the Easter packets for the kids, the craft, uh, will be able to pick them up between 1 and 3. We're going to ask that you stay in your car. We're going to practice social distancing. So uh, the gals will be out there. They'll take it to your car so you, you don't have to get out. And um, also the signs, the Pray for Weld County, that those are going to be available. And so somebody will bring that to your car as well. But we're going to ask everybody stay in their car. And uh, we want to be safe. And uh, we want to keep everybody safe as, uh, as much as we can. So if you can do that, we're looking forward to it. I know that we had a great response with the... The crafts, uh, A lot of people wanted them. And so I'm so blessed that you're able to share that with your children. And then those signs, we need to be praying for Weld County. Uh, yesterday in the news, I noticed the top three stories concerning our state of coronavirus was concerning Greeley and Weld County. Um, and so we want to keep praying. We want to remind people to pray so you can pick those up. And then we'll have some more coming next week. We'll let you know uh, on social media, again, on our Facebook and and, uh, e-bulletins and every way that we can uh, about picking those up. But for those of you who are going to pick them up today, they will be available. And we're going to pray, and we're going to continue to pray, and looking forward to seeing you soon sometime. We don't know when, uh, but the Lord knows. In the meantime, if you need anything, please call us. And we're praying for you and praying that you're healthy and well. And uh, we want to be available for you. So God bless you. Um, Enjoy the rest of your day. Looking forward to seeing you on Resurrection Sunday, 9.30 live stream. And then we'll post it. God bless you.